1: Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, hermana?
2: (laughs) I am doing very well. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. And we have a special guest sitting right next to you. Mm -hmm. Who is it? Introducer?
2: It's my mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Say hi, Deanna. Hello. (laughs) AKA the love of my life. So thanks for joining us. You bet. We're going to talk about one of her favorite talks from conference. So we prevailed upon her to to join us. So, Leah, how's MTC going? It's going well. Good. Um, anything spectacularly fun happened this week in the MTC?
2: Um. <laughs>
1: the answer is probably no. no.
2: <laughs> I studied a lot and went to a lot of classes.
1: So um, enjoyable. Feels purposeful and lots of progress, but maybe not as fun. You were mentioning the other day how you're excited to get to the physical MTC.
2: Yeah, it'll be nice to be in person with um, the other missionaries in my district so that I can interact with them outside of class.
1: Yes, and if I have all my dates correct, by the time this gets published, you will actually be in the Mexico City MTC. Sweet. So... Welcome I'm
2: excited. Welcome to Mexico City. Uh, oh, th- thanks. <laughs>
1: awesome. How are you, Deanna? I'm doing great. Good. Are you excited?
3: I'm excited about a lot of things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> about being with us today? Um, yes. Good. Awesome. Well, Rivka, how are you today?
0: I'm doing really well.
1: Good. How is uh, the Pacific Northwest treating you?
0: Uh, it's It's great. It's overcast, and a little blustery, and lots of falling leaves all around, so very autumn. Love it. Sounds
2: amazing.
1: We are having <laughs> another summer heat wave, you know, a l- the late summer return oh. here, so it was in the 80s today, which is no good, and uh, <laughs> you know, we live in the upper Midwest. I expect a cool fall, but it is what it is, <clears throat> so... Well, we're going to jump into our talk now, and today we're going to discuss the talk, The Love of God by Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And I think we'll start with Aaliyah, and then after Aaliyah, go to Deanna, and we're going to start by talking about the fundamental doctrine being taught here. So, Aaliyah, (laughs) what was the fundamental doctrine you took from this?
2: The fundamental doctrine was found in the very first sentence of his talk, and that is, our Heavenly Father loves us profoundly and perfectly. I love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me more about that.
2: Um, I I've always loved the phrase perfect love because I feel like um as I'm not a parent yet, but I will one day. And as, you know, um other parents have told me, like it's hard to know what to do to um show love or to like what expectations to hold them to, um, how to love them, how to help them grow. And I feel like the gospel is the most perfect setup for, um, for that. And so there's, there's a lot of love that can be found in all of the doctrines of the gospel. And so, yeah.
1: Okay, great. So perfect love. And, <clears throat> um, So are you saying we should emulate our Heavenly Father's love as parents? Sure.
2: Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Okay.
1: Maybe (laughs) you were saying something else?
2: No. I mean, yeah, that works.
1: (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Well, Deanna, what was the fundamental doctrine being taught to you?
3: Uh, So I think going along with what Elia said, that their perfect love, I think part of the definition he talked about a little later in the talk And he said, because they love you, they do not want to leave you just as you are. Because they love you, they want you to have joy and success. Because they love you, they want you to repent because that is the path to happiness. It is your choice. They honor your agency. You must choose to love them, to serve them, to keep their commandments. Then they can more abundantly bless you as well as love you. And I think... um, I think this talk just opened up to me a little more. Um, I guess the idea that I still have so much work to do in understanding God's love, you know. And it is, I feel like it's layered and it, it is co- more complex than we can understand. And I love this idea. Um, it goes contrary to a lot of what we hear in the world, which is, you know it stops with like, love you just as you are period, you know, and this idea of that love that it does love you exactly as you are. He he states that in the talk, but also there's more because, because of that love, there's also the desire for your progression and for you to gain more joy and happiness.
1: Yeah. I love that. There's a few sort of worldly sayings running around and one of those is that we're in a high demand religion. So we've heard that and uh, you and I personally have heard that a number of times recently and used in a negative way. And here he's saying um high love with high expectations equals progress. Um, and that high expectations is not the same as low love. Um, so I liked that. And then we've also um, been, you know, a lot of people run around saying you do you or um, things like that. And uh, I think, you know, what if you is a jerk or what if you has, you know, tendencies to commit felonies or something (laughs) like that?
2: Or what if me is prideful or what if me is... um... Like maybe you're really bad at being nice to other people, or maybe you are maybe you're really good at being humble, but you're really bad at um at having confidence in, you know, yourself and potential. So like is it really like do you really want to be you if you is those things? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the truth is that we are
3: all all of those things, right? We all have right. a mix of all of these good and and not so great things. But I love that the invitation from God's love is to become our better self.
1: Yeah. As Elder Maxwell said, the distant mountaintop doesn't scold, it beckons. And Elder Whiting from last conference said, you are enough, but you are not yet complete. Mm -hmm. So, awesome. Well, Rivka, um, tell me what the fundamental doctrine here was Uh, that that you picked out from this talk?
0: Well, we've talked about this before. I know I've said this before that our English word love is, can be hard when we're talking about God's love. I think our word is like too broad and too narrow all at the same time. It's really Mm -hmm. broad in its meanings and complexities, but I think it's really narrowly used and understood. And so I appreciate a lot of the same things that, that Ali and Deanna shared, this kind of expansion of and the diving into what God's love is and what it means. And it makes me think that, you know how sometimes um, if you speak another language and, and you're trying to explain it in a second one and you're like, there's not really a word for this, in this mm-hmm. language, and you're trying to explain an idea, I feel like maybe there's a different celestial word for this, and what this is, is a talk trying to explain the idea behind whatever word it is Heavenly Father uses for love, to help us understand what it actually is that He is expressing, and how it works, and and the purpose and grandeur behind it, and, and what it does for us, so... I don't know. I think that's another way of saying exactly what Aaliyah and Deanna just said, (laughs) but (laughs) but just, um, yeah, for me, this talk was, was that helping us to try to understand what God means when he says he loves us.
1: Yeah. I think the best English word we have for the love of God is charity. And as Aaliyah mentioned last time, you know, the last general conference was a lot about hope and, and maybe faith, and this one's a lot about charity. So, do you have we talked about the four types of love in the Greek language and how that comes out in the New Testament, Rivka?
2: I don't know if we've done that on this podcast. I don't mm-hmm. remember that, so Mm-mm. no, I don't think... If right. It's either been a long time or we've never done that on this podcast. No.
1: Okay. I would be pulling completely from memory. I don't know if you've read about that, Rivka, or you... It seems like well, something I you would we, know.
2: We dressed, C.S. Lewis wrote a
0: whole book about this, right?
1: Oh, yes, yes. Yeah,
0: the four loves. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, so I, I think <clears throat> there's like brotherly love and romantic love and um, parental love is I can't remember now. And then then God's love. So they're all different and they have different words in, in Greek and then, as they get translated into English in the New Testament, it just says "love" over and over. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. it's, sometimes it's hard to figure out what Agathe, it. Agape,
0: philia, eros.
1: I knew she would, would know ones. the Greek words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember all of them, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> the,
1: three of like four is pretty good.
0: Friend, romantic, yes, God, empathy, those, yeah. But this is what I mean by like we just say love. And it's supposed to be contextually taken, but that can be really difficult in communicating sometimes.
1: Yeah, completely. Well, Aaliyah, let's um, go back to you. What other quotes from here talked about God's love or, or taught you something about God's love in this talk?
2: Um, one thing that I really loved was he said, as we abide in God's love, we depend less and less on the approval of others to guide us. I think this is huge, especially for mm. maybe my generation. I don't know about older generations, but I feel like for some reason there's this idea that like you have to be what other people want you to be, or like you should show what other people want to see from you, or that like I don't know, that you got to bend to the trends. And and I think
1: bend to the trends. To- nice. <laughs>
2: um, and I think. And on my personal experience with um I guess self-confidence is a way you could say it, is um, the more I kind of aligned my perception of myself with God's perception of myself, the less I cared about um any external sources of of love, including my own maybe faulty vision and like focusing on flaws and stuff. Um, and so when when I have really felt confident in in myself and like my eternal view of myself, other people have told me that they can tell that I know who I am and that that is a good like it's an endearing quality to them, and they appreciate that, and they can like i don't know it makes me more likable, I guess, in a way, but not in a like trendy, popular kind of way. It's a genuine, I'm just being, um, you know, as close to my true self as I can be. And that helps other people appreciate me. And there are people who wouldn't appreciate, you know, maybe this, this me, but I, I don't care (laughs) about them any as much because like, why would I? (laughs) Because God cares. So, you know, so if there's people who I'm pushing away, then it doesn't matter because I wouldn't want to be around them anyways and I'm gaining more friends through a more genuine means. <laughs> that was a long explanation. but I hope I got the point across.
1: All right, a little spicy today. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I take your meaning here that <clears throat> if you are if you have the integrity to uh, be true to who who the, the way the Lord sees you, that if people don't want to be around you because of that, then they're not going to be a good fu- influence anyway. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, awesome. So, the fact that he said that didn't even register to me. I didn't highlight it. I don't even know where it is in the talk. <laughs> so, it's funny that that stuck out to you. Mm-hmm. Deanna and I are Gen X, which is the uh, stick it to the man generation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, I and it's hard to paint broad generalizations for for whole generations of course everyone's different individually but you know I think in general it's the harder thing was like um you said bend to the trend it it was it was like I'm gonna do whatever the trend is I'm gonna do the opposite so like when I was in high school I locally in Virginia Dave Matthews band was really popular but he wasn't nationally popular and as soon as he became nationally popular all my friends were like he's so dumb I don't like him
2: anymore (laughs) yeah well, like we mentioned judging last time or maybe two podcasts ago I can't remember, but I feel like um, people are more aware of what they think people are judging them as or to be when they don't um, when they're not grounded in in God's love for them. so like mm. the more the more you feel and appreciate God's love, the less you seek for good judgment of, of those around you, or maybe even better, the less you notice, or I feel like sometimes we think people are judging us when they're not. So maybe when, when you're grounded in yourself, you don't look for the negative judgments of people around you. Like it just, there's no, there's no judgment anymore. You know, you just stop with all of that you
1: stop worrying about it
2: yeah pretty much and by
1: grounded in yourself you mean centering your identity in the, the love of yes God, yes not
2: like in other labels <clears throat> um that are more worldly
1: yeah one of the ones we just talked about was removing those labels mm-hmm. right there were no more ites among yep, them. exactly okay awesome i think every talk is about identity to you <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> okay well, Deanna, what other quotes from here taught you about the love of God or, or were meaningful to you?
3: Um, so I actually really loved that he added some clarity here. He said, because God's love is all-embracing, some speak of it as unconditional, and in their minds they may project that thought to mean that God's blessings are unconditional and that salvation is unconditional. They are not. Some are wont to say the Savior loves me just as I am, and that is certainly true, but He cannot take any of us into His kingdom just as we are, for no unclean thing can dwell there or dwell in His presence. Our sins must first be resolved. And I, I just love that that is very clear, that He absolutely loves us just as we are, but we also cannot come into His presence as we currently are. We have to resolve our sin. And along with that, he also said, we need not hesitate to call upon God. Even when we feel unworthy, we can rely on the mercy and merits of Jesus Christ to be heard. And so I, it's just, we have a perfect plan in place to allow all of these things to happen. Um, But I love that clarity because again, that, that is contrary to a lot of what we hear. Um, And you know, President Nelson said there are actual clear truths, and and that's one of them. Yeah. yeah. I love that.
1: I love it. Thank you. A couple of paragraphs later, he quotes Elder Holland along the same lines, and I think this was from a, a talk he gave at BYU at the beginning of the semester. Jesus clearly understood what many in our modern culture seem to forget, that there is a crucial difference between the commandment to forgive sin, which he had an infinite capacity to do, and the warning against condoning it which he never, ever did even once. Well, Rivka, what other quotes stuck out to you here or taught you about the love of God?
0: One of my favorite paragraphs in this whole talk um, is the one about rationalization and redemption. So he says, we don't have to attempt the impossible in trying to rationalize our sins away. And on the other hand, we don't have to attempt the impossible in erasing the effects of our sin by our own merit alone. Ours is not a religion of rationalization, nor a religion of perfectionism, but a religion of redemption, redemption through Jesus Christ. If we are among the penitent, with his atonement, our sins are nailed to his cross, and with his stripes, we are healed. That is just one of the most profoundly beautiful paragraphs to me certainly in this talk, but in all of conference, I remember him saying it as I listened to it, uh, for a couple of reasons, that last sentence, uh, this is one of those kind of wordsmithing ones that I just really appreciate with his atonement. Our sins are nailed to his cross. I loved that imagery. Um, I don't know why it just, I loved that imagery, yeah, but, it's beautiful. uh, yeah, one of the things that I, Learned from this paragraph, and and I don't know, kind of more deeply understood when he says we don't have to attempt the impossible. He gives two things that we do that are try to do that are impossible: to rationalize our sins away, or to erase the, the effects of our sin by our own merit alone. And both of those things, I, I feel, are really uh, common things that we try to do because I think those are two of Satan's great deceptions. And what struck me about this so much is that because it's Satan's way, a deception and a mimicking, the reason that those two, I think the consequences of pursuing those two things to try to help us feel better, either to, to work so hard to try to erase our own sins or to rationalize them away, um, the, the effects of both of those end up being misery that's what happens. It's, there's no way it can't be any different because that's what Satan wants is for us to be miserable. And so anything he throws in our way, however good it may seem, will end up in us being miserable. Um, and, and that was just, I, that was, um, something that I don't know. I hope I'm explaining that well enough, but that was kind of, yeah my mind kind of caught hold of that idea that that's why that's what those two things produce. However hard we try to rationalize or however hard we try to earn by our own merits, the end result of those endeavors is just misery because it can't be anything else. And the reminder that what, what eases our pain and our suffering that comes when we make mistakes or, or when we intentionally sin um, is a turning to Jesus Christ and the redemption that He offers. And I love that. That about this that redemption of Jesus Christ is is one of the great expressions of God's love that he can that he can take those things from us nailed onto onto his cross um, healed by his stripes and that is that is an incredibly beautiful expression of God's love for us yeah that he wants it. us he wants us to have and to use. It's not a last resort. This is what he wants us to do.
1: Yeah, it's plan A and there is no plan B.
0: Right.
1: Um. So Aaliyah talked about her, the love of God, bringing a sense of identity to her and being meaningful in her life. Deanna, how has the love of God within the context of this talk and what we've talked about, how has that made a difference in your life?
3: Um, I think it, I don't know, it's essentially everything I've struggled my entire life with feeling love for myself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always been a hard um, battle for me. And so having the love of God and um, I would say specifically the love of God that I have felt through my patriarchal blessing. Um, And Hmm. that testimony, I guess that I have that God knows me individually and loves me individually. And I loved how he said in this talk, um, his as a father's pure love, universal to all, yet personal to each. And I have definitely felt that in my life. And that specific thing, just knowing that he knows me and loves me has been such an anchor for me. Um, when I haven't felt that love for myself or maybe, you know, felt it from other people, just knowing that I have it from God gives me the strength to do everything to, you know, make it through all, all the stuff.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's amazing how many, um, (laughs) connecting threads there are between all these talks. Um, sister Mm -hmm. Corden talked about identity and understanding the love of our heavenly parents and talked about our patriarchal blessings and they all seem to tie together. I think every single talk so far has mentioned you know charity and and compassion from the Lord and from us to others. So Rivka, how has understanding the love of God made a difference in your life?
0: One of the <laughs> one of the things that I learned to give like word and definition to in this talk. He says that, that God's love comes with an expectation that we also love, um, mm-hmm. that, that it can, um, can actually give us the capacity to do it. And um, one of the ways that grow, growing in my understanding of God's love has influenced and changed me is in growing my own capacity to love others. And I was struck by a thought as I was reading this last night. He says, here is the solution for our incessantly quarrelsome times, the love of God. And I was thinking about how often I see or hear people say, I mean there's a song what the world needs now is love, <laughs> you know, sweet love. But <laughs> we hear this a lot like like we just need to love right? Mm-hmm. We, we need more love. We need to, we, <laughs> I just see this all the time, like love, 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 love. Um, but he is specifying here that what the world needs is the love of God, not just some amorphous undefined kind of love, but the thing that heals and the the thing that helps nurture and, and change hearts and brings peace is specifically the love of God. And so if I, he shares this the story well it's actually um i think it's sister jones it's sister jones's story about the difference in her experience ministering when it was love she was trying to attempt to drum up herself and when she did things serving out of a love for god and she said he we were doing the service now for him he made the struggle no longer a struggle um, and I think that's what the love of God and understanding it and being able to feel it does for us. Is it helps us to love as he loves, which makes loving much less of a struggle.
1: Yeah. And I loved that, that story because it was a very it was a short story, but it's a quick progression through, you know, doing something out of duty or obligation, which is a good reason to do something, but then eventually growing as a person until you have that, love of God, which is, which is driving you, um, to do it, you know, selflessly instead of to, to get done what you were asked to do. So, um, that was a good quick story about growth and how the love of God can impact your motivation and, and therefore your experience. So, well, Aaliyah, what, um, invitations or promises did you find in this?
2: Um, one invitation I found, was, I believe, quoting a scripture. Yes, First John 4, 8. Um, so Elder Christopherson is talking about Heavenly Father and the Lord, and he says, Their principal expectation of us is that we also love. And then the scripture is, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So I thought that was really interesting, that if we don't, um, if we're not expressing charity, then we can't fully know God because, you know, he embodies charity. So I thought that was interesting.
1: Awesome. Did you find a promise with that? Um. Or is there a promise that was inferred?
2: I guess you will <laughs> grow as a person. You will come to know God more, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Only good things, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Deanna, did you find any invitations?
3: Um, One that I highlighted is he said, would it not be a worthy aspiration to live so that God can love us, not just in spite of our feelings, but also because of what we are becoming. I really liked that.
1: Yeah. I love that one. Um, And he goes on there and quotes one of my absolute favorite scriptures. Where he says, Oh, that he could say of you and me, as he said of Hiram Smith, for example, I, the Lord, love him because of the integrity of his heart.
2: And the rest of the scripture says, And because he loveth that which is right before me, saith the Lord.
1: Yeah. Beautiful scripture. Can you imagine having him say that to you as you cross the veil into the other side? Uh, mm-hmm. That would be incredible. So. And don't Um, you think that's
0: kind of like the completed idea? I was thinking about this, like at the beginning, he introduces, you know, kind of a common thing we hear, like, like God loves us just as we are, right? Which is, is true, but incomplete. And I feel like this is the completed idea, right? Like, (laughs) like, yes, he does love us in spite of our feelings, but also he can love us better and bless us more as we as we grow and, and change and repent and become. Yeah. And I think also that
3: we can um, feel and identify his love more as we become more, if that makes sense. Like we have greater access to the love that he already has for us, but we are, I think, limited in our ability to feel it and recognize it. But as we progress and become more like him, we, are able to see and feel that more.
1: I love it. Any other invitations you saw in here, Rivka or promises?
0: I in the just right toward the end. First of all, he quotes the same scripture that elder Holland quoted just a couple of talks ago about the, there being no contention in the land because of the law of God. And then he quotes a scripture, um, from revelation that contains a promise and i think an invitation blessed are they that do his commandments that's the invitation that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the holy city so i love the blessings that come along with that as we strive it says to to do his commandments and one of those is to love god and then love our neighbors
1: fantastic Okay, well, anyone else have any other thoughts before we close it up? Okay, I got shaking heads with people in the room with me and uh, <laughs> in silence from Ribka. So, I think that we'll take that as a no.
2: <laughs> also a shaken head here, but oh, you couldn't oh, wait, see wait, it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I have, I
1: have oh, <laughs> oh, wait, time out. Here comes the <laughs> video.
2: Um, so, he ta- he had a whole section of his talk that was talking about the love of the prophets and how it mirrors the love of God. Oh, yeah. So he was saying, just as the Lord, his servants do not want anyone to suffer the pains of sin and poor choices. So I thought that was interesting. And um, he talks about how Alma um, was sent to declare the message of repentance and redemption to a hate filled people who were willing to persecute, torture, and even kill Christian believers. But Alma was Preaching to these people, knowing that they would be persecuted for believing what he told them if they chose to believe, because believing in the gospel and the doctrine of Christ is better, even though it would include, um, you know, possible death. If for this group of people, it was better than uh, the absence of the gospel in their lives. So I thought that was interesting. That it was so important that the gospel would be um you know accessible to people that he was willing to risk death himself and um bring you know pain upon the people he was gonna be teaching mm-hmm.
1: all right thanks for that okay well that wraps up this talk the next talk we will discuss is becoming more in christ the parable of the slope and aliyah is doing a happy dance in her chair because she loved that one.
2: I'm so excited <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, And you can find us on social media at Words of the Prophets or Words of the Prophets Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you, Deanna, for joining us especially. And uh, until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit and you listen by the Spirit, Some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.